Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Former President Donald Trump is arraigned and pleads not guilty. From a political point of view, I don't know how, if you're Ron DeSantis, how do you get how do you get any oxygen? How do you get any attention if this is going to be going on? Finland makes history and becomes the latest member of NATO. It's a political diplomatic coup for the alliance. Again, a very big day for NATO. Progressive Brandon Johnson projected to become Chicago's next mayor. I absolutely expect him to be the next mayor of Chicago. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast, your first look at today's top stories for Wednesday, April 5th. I'm Mike Scott. On Tuesday, former President Donald Trump pleaded not guilty in New York City after being charged with 34 felony counts of falsifying business records in the first degree. The charges are related to alleged hush money payments made during the 2016 presidential campaign. Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg briefly laid out the charges against the former president. Earlier this afternoon, Donald Trump was arraigned on a New York Supreme Court indictment returned by a Manhattan grand jury on 34 felony counts of falsifying business records in the first degree. Under New York state law, it is a felony to falsify business records with intent to defraud and an intent to conceal another crime. That is exactly what this case is about. 34 false statements made to cover up other crimes. Brand goes on to explain why he decided to charge Donald Trump. At its core, this case today is one with allegations like so many of our white-collar cases. Allegations that someone lied again and again to protect their interests and evade the laws to which we are all held accountable. As this office has done time and time again, we today uphold our solemn responsibility to ensure that everyone stands equal before the law. No amount of money and no amount of power changes that enduring American principle. Meantime, Trump commented on the prosecutor, Alvin Bragg, and his motive saying that the DA simply has it out for him. And now this massive election interference at a scale never seen before in our country, beginning with the radical left, George Soros-backed prosecutor, Alvin Bragg of New York, (laughs) who campaigned on the fact that get President Trump. I'm going to get him. The former president says most people believe the New York charges are bogus. As it turns out, virtually everybody that has looked at this case, including rhinos and even hardcore Democrats, say there is no crime and that it should never have been brought. Never have been brought. Everybody. Even people that 
Aren't big fans have said it. They said this is not the right thing to do. Now, the indictment was unsealed in court during Trump's arraignment Tuesday before presiding judge Juan Merchan. Trump was charged in that Manhattan court indictment with 34 counts of falsifying business records in the first degree. Trump pleaded not guilty. The judge did not impose a gag order. Jesse Weber is a legal analyst for the Daybreak Insider and says this case seems to hinge on Michael Cohen's testimony. However, Cohen has been convicted of perjury. This case arguably could be made or broken based on Michael Cohen's testimony. And the reason for that is he is going to fill in a lot of the holes that we hear in this indictment. A lot of what this supporting statement of facts is, is coming from Michael Cohen's account. Now, I have to imagine that Alvin Bragg wasn't going to make this case or bring this case just on Michael Cohen alone. I imagine there's going to be more there. There's maybe going to be documents. I, I don't know text messages. We know former President Trump doesn't really like to use text messages, but there's got to be more there than Cohen itself. But this case, when I'm reading this statement of facts and indictment, is largely based on Michael Cohen's testimony. And we know that he is a problematic witness. He's a convicted perjurer. And that's something we know that uh, his, Donald Trump's defense attorneys are definitely going to jump on. Weber outlines what tactics the Trump team will use moving forward. They are going to hit on every single legal challenge. Why? One, because they might have the right to do so. Uh, as I mentioned, I think you can argue possibly for a change of venue. You can argue that this is, uh, remember, there's going to be a preliminary hearing where you put the state on its burden. Can you really show enough evidence to go forward with a trial? They're going to argue maybe for a switch of a judge. They're going to argue every single aspect they can, one, because they want to get the case dismissed, and number two, I imagine they want to delay this. I think they want to delay it because they want to get into murky territory. The more you push this back, the more you push this back to the election, the more you push this back, let's say Donald Trump's actually elected president, then you're in very weird, murky territory. Now, I know, by law, a president, uh, someone could be convicted of a crime and actually be the president. They could technically serve as the president from prison. But I think the more they push this back, it goes to their advantage. And, and I can see why they would do that. They're going to challenge it in every which way that they can. And maybe their initial goal is trying to get this downgraded from 34 felonies to 34 misdemeanors. I imagine that's their, their immediate goal. Josh Krauschauer, the senior political correspondent for Axios, joined the Salem Radio Network and says that this is just the beginning of the political media circus. Buckle your seatbelts because we're going to be seeing a replay uh, of this kind of circus throughout the 2024 election year. Uh, you're going to have other legal cases. We've talked about this on the show. you got a case in Fulton County over uh, Trump pressuring the secretary of state to overturn the 2020 election or, or alter the results. And you got the, the classified documents case that Jack Smith is looking at, the special counsel in Washington. Uh, you know, this is this is they're, they're, it's, it's, it's a it's a three act play, and then you've got the, the the chaos that comes whenever Trump is is, is facing these legal charges as he is today. So, uh, you know, expect a circus, expect the the freak show to dominate our politics, especially uh, as we get closer to the Republican primaries next year. Crouchard takes a look at the political implications and believes that it will be difficult for any of Trump's Republican challengers to beat him in the primaries now from a political point of view i don't know how if you're ron DeSantis, how do you get how do you get any oxygen how do you get any attention if this is going to be going on for the next year 
And, and look, and all the Republicans, with the exception of you mentioned Asa Hutchinson, uh, yeah, yeah. Chris Christie. I talked to Chris Christie last week. I think ah. he may be in the anti-Trump camp this year. But yeah. look, I don't know how. All the other Republicans have been basically saying this is a witch hunt. It's a, it's a political prosecution. Um, so it's hard to if, if, if other Republicans, if Trump's leading rivals are basically defending him and 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 and, and, and promoting him, um, I don't know how they're ever going to you know draw the distinctions they need to defeat him in the Republican primary. However, the Axios correspondent warns that Donald Trump is walking a fine line in how he must fight these charges. These are, these are very serious charges that could lead to jail time uh, if, if not taken seriously. And, that, and that's going to be Trump's uh, uh, initial challenge. Like, he, he may want to demagogue this for political purposes, and I think it's benefiting Trump with the Republican primary. Yep. He's, he's yep. jumping, jumping up in the polls. He's taking a commanding lead in all of the public polling that's been out in recent days. But, um, you know, like, he's going to have to fight the, the legal fight, and, 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 it, and it, it, what, what is good for him legally may not be good for him politically and vice versa. So, uh, you know, it's going to be a very challenging time, even if Trump does get this boost in the, in the primary poll. Kraushar goes on to point out that it's odd that Bragg has refused to prosecute other crimes, but is going after Donald Trump. I, I think there is a sort of a disconnect uh, on the issue of crime with these some of these these these, these DAs and prosecutors. Uh, the, if you remember, I think Alvin Bragg's name first got on the national political map when he clashed with Mayor Eric Adams early in right after he got elected over, you know, deciding not to prosecute yeah. a certain type of crimes, right? Yep, that was yep. a big problem for Adams and for, for New York City, and eventually Bragg walked that back. Um, but, yeah, like, there, there is, it's, from a political point of view and, and, frankly, a substantive point of view, it's, it's, it, 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 it raises the question, why was he being lenient on people committing violent crimes or crimes throughout New York City and, and, and throwing the book at Donald Trump on this case? involving hush payments to to a porn yeah. star. Trump has slammed the DA's investigation and the indictment as political persecution and election interference at the highest level in history. The judge said he would like to move ahead as expeditiously as possible with the case. The next hearing is December 4 in the same lower Manhattan courtroom. In an historic move, Finland has now officially joined NATO to become the alliance's 31st member. Finland's membership is considered to be a major rebuke to Moscow, doubling the border length Russia shares with the military alliance. Secretary General of NATO Jens Stoltenberg welcomed Finland to the alliance and said that essentially Russia has brought this on themselves. Today is an historic day because in a few hours we will welcome Finland as the 31st member of our alliance. And it was actually the invasion of Ukraine last year that led to the decision by Finland and Sweden to apply for a NATO membership. Um, and it just demonstrates that uh, uh, when President Putin had as an, uh, declared goal uh, of uh, the invasion of Ukraine to uh, get less NATO. He wanted less NATO uh, along his borders. He wanted uh, uh, to close NATO's door, no more uh, NATO membership for any uh, uh, more countries in Europe. He's getting exactly the opposite. Finland, like all NATO members, will benefit from the collective security guarantee of Article 5. 
which is, quote, an armed attack against one or more of them in Europe or North America shall be considered an attack against them all, end quote. Moscow has already threatened to deploy troops on its side of the border with Finland if NATO moves to expand its presence in the new member country. Admiral James Stavridis, the former Allied commander of NATO, joined the Salem Radio Network and says simply it's a great day for global stability. This is the story of the day globally in a lot of different ways. And I'll give you three reasons it's extremely important and that they're doing high fives in Brussels, the headquarters of NATO. And in, over in Moscow, Vladimir Putin is sulking in a corner somewhere. Number one, you already mentioned, 800-mile border that Putin now has to defend. And by the way, the north of that is the Arctic, the high north, which Putin covets. Much harder to make that work with Finland as a member of NATO. Number two, pure military capability. The Finns, because they have a very aggressive mandatory draft system, because they keep everybody's military skills up at a high level, they can put 300,000 troops in the field in about 90 days. Staff Reitis points out that the Finnish have a long history in beating back Russian forces. Here comes one nation into NATO with 300,000 troops. And third and finally, history. You, rem- you don't remember, neither do I, but we know the history of 1939 when Russia, the Soviet Union, invaded Finland. The Finns fought them to a standstill in the Winter War. There's a lot of fighting spirit in Finland directed against Russia. So for all those reasons, it's a really good day for the alliance. The former Allied commander explains what Finland's inclusion in NATO means. Operationally, almost nothing. We have conducted many, many exercises. I did it as Supreme Allied Commander of NATO a decade ago. My successors have operated with the Finns. The Finns deployed troops under my command, into Afghanistan, into the Balkans. Um, They are enthusiastic partners. We are on the ground with them already. What changes is political and diplomatic. Now, if Vladimir Putin were to make a move on Finland, the entire alliance would stand together and push him back. It's a political, diplomatic coup for the alliance. And when you add to it the military capability we just discussed, Again, a very big day for NATO. Stavridis goes on to say that should Vladimir Putin try to take on NATO, Finland's integration into the alliance complicates his plans dramatically. What will happen, uh, Hugh, is that Finland will now be incorporated in the NATO war plans, all of which, by the way, are defensive in nature, but the entire alliance would stand and fight alongside any member who was invaded. And by the way, I think the target country in NATO, if Putin were ever stupid enough to try and take on the entire alliance, is probably Estonia. Tiny little country right there, a lot of bad history with Russia. So let's say Putin came into Estonia. Now he's got an 800-mile border on his flank to the north that's alive with NATO troops. 
it just complicates this picture enormously. Sweden is next in line to join the alliance, but still faces some opposition from Turkey and other states. This news comes as Vladimir Putin's Russia has assumed presidency of the U.N. Security Council. Critics were quick to condemn the move by the international body, stating that it's unconscionable, the president of a country currently threatening nuclear war and killing civilians in Ukraine, would be in charge of the U.N.'s Council to enforce international norms among nations. According to the Associated Press, Cook County Commissioner Brandon Johnson is projected to win the Chicago mayoral runoff, replacing lame duck Mayor Lori Lightfoot as the city's next top executive. In a win for progressives, Johnson was able to hold off centrist former Chicago Public Schools CEO Paul Vallis. This just in seconds ago, breaking news, the Associated Press has officially called the race for mayor for Brandon Johnson. And that's with 98 percent of the precincts reporting tonight. Vallis took to the stage at his campaign headquarters, telling supporters that he has conceded the race to Johnson. I'm honored and humbled by all of your support. I ran for mayor to bring the city together. And it's clear based on the results tonight that the city is deeply divided. So tonight... Even though, of course, we believe every vote should be counted, I called Brandon Johnson and told him that I absolutely expect him to be the next mayor of Chicago. And, and please, 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 please. It's critically, critically important. I mean, this campaign that I ran to bring the city together uh, would not be uh, a, a, a campaign that fulfilled my ambitions if this election is going to divide us more. So it's critically important that we use this opportunity to come together. And I've offered him my full support uh, on his transition. And God knows we spent a lot of time in forums together. um, And certainly we shared a lot of opinions. And I I look forward to working with him and providing him with the full support he needs to, to be a successful. However, political analyst Mike Flannery of Chicago's Fox 32 points out that voter turnout in the country's third largest city was quite anemic. There were some long lines today, uh, including here at the so-called super site for voting in the loop. The Chicago Board of Election Commissioners, though, reports turnout across the city was once again disappointingly light. Now, vote-by-mail ballots that will be counted after tonight uh, could total about 6.9% or 7% of all ballots. That's a lot of votes uh, still to be counted after tonight. A large majority are expected to arrive and be counted by this weekend. Matt Podgorski is a political strategist based in the Chicago area and says that while there still are votes to be counted, Johnson is in a comfortable position. The only remaining questions now are there's about 5% of the vote still left to be counted tonight with 95% of the precincts reporting. We really don't know which way that's going to break. And then, of course, the infamous late vote-by-mail ballots, which we think are going to go for Johnson. We just don't know how many votes. At the end of the day, it's it's just math. Um, Things are obviously looking very much in Johnson's favor right now. There's no way to deny that. According to some voters asked about their vote on election night, Johnson's messaging on mental health and education won them over. While Vallis's tenure as Chicago Public Schools CEO was a turnoff. Florida 
is the latest state to approve a heartbeat bill. Daybreak Insider's Keith Peters has more on this developing story. The bill, which passed the state Senate by a 26 to 13 vote, now heads to the state house. It offers protections for unborn babies beginning at six weeks gestation. The bill also provides for exceptions, including rape, incest, human trafficking, and the life of the mother, and does not allow the mailing of dangerous abortion pills. Keith Peters reporting. The red-hot job market may be starting to cool off. Daybreak Insider's Rich Thomason takes a look at the very latest job numbers. Job openings fell to 9.9 million last month, the fewest since May 2021. It's a sign the job market may be starting to respond to Federal Reserve interest rate hikes aimed at slowing the economy to fight inflation. Vacancies fell from 10.6 million in January, notably in healthcare and in professional services, which includes managerial and technical jobs. There were more openings for construction workers. Rich Thomason reporting. Alabama basketball player accused of providing a gun used in a fatal shooting has pleaded not guilty to capital murder charges. Daybreak Insider's Norman Hall has details on this developing story. According to court records, former Crimson Tide forward Darius Miles entered the not guilty plea Monday in connection with a fatal shooting near the Alabama campus in January. Miles is a 21-year-old from Washington, D.C., He and another 21-year-old, Michael Lynn Davis of suburban Washington, both face capital murder charges. Davis is accused of firing the shot that struck a young woman sitting in a car. Investigators wrote in a court document that Miles admitted to providing the handgun immediately before the shooting. Both are being held without bond. I'm Norman Hall. And finally... For centuries... Humanity has had to grapple with our own mortality. However, with the rise of technology, that may no longer be the case. That is, according to futurist Ray Kurzweil, who has predicted that humanity will achieve immortality in just eight years. Futurist Ray Kurzweil says the next eight years, we could all be forever young, just like our favorite celebrities. It's all thanks to nanobots, microscopic robots that work to repair cells and damaged tissue, even could fight cancer potentially. I can't wait until all issues with grandma can be solved by unplugging her and waiting 30 seconds to plug her back in. (laughs) That's a word. Oh, yeah. While it all may seem far-fetched, some say you shouldn't write off Kurzweil just yet, as he has accurately predicted technological achievements in the past which includes the widespread use of laptops. In fact, according to a fact checker, Kurzweil has about an 86% accuracy rate with 147 predictions that he has made in the 1990s. The futurist Kurzweil also says that due to nanotechnology, that is, microscopic robots, humankind will be able to fend off illnesses at the cellular level. And, to be clear, medical engineers are already working on these disease-fighting robots. Meanwhile, Silicon Valley billionaires Peter Thiel and Jeff Bezos have put a lot of stock in Kurzweil's predictions, dedicating their careers to developing technology 
that will enable humans to live well into their hundreds. There can be only one. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at SRNNews.com and TownHall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott.